Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? So this week, Monica, who runs Berlin Boudoir, she's a photographer, a really excellent photographer who promotes kind of female body positivity and does brilliant work, posted a story about the account at Feminist, which has 6 million followers and posts pro-feminist content. And they had taken one of her photographs and reposted it without any credit or anything. And so she messaged them and said, hey, this is kind of not cool. Can you at least tag me or take it down or ask for permission. It's not very feminist when somebody appropriates somebody else's work without their permission is stealing. They didn't respond. In the end, Instagram took the photo down. And then she got curious about, well, what is this account at Feminist? Is it run by bots? All the comments are unchecked. There's a lot of, as with any feminist account, There's a lot of misogynistic, violent, abusive comments which are not being regulated at all. And she found that this had happened before, that they had taken other activists' content, reposted it without any credit, anything. They're making their account big and profitable in this way. And in fact, the people behind the account at Feminist are two white men. Their names are Tana Schweitzer and Jacob Castaldi. They also run a fashion account called Ivory Ella and then a massive, what's supposed to be a sustainable, ethical, transparent fashion account called Change, but without the A, so C-H-N-G-E. That's a massive business. Obviously, having an Instagram account with 6 million is somehow a massive business because you have a lot of influence. And so all of these accounts, and they're all related, at Feminist, at It's Feminism, at March, and at change, C-H-N-G-E, are run by these two men who are basically profiting off feminism and it's not transparent at all who's behind these companies. So if you go to Change, for example, which sells all of these empowering t-shirts and streetwear and has black people and uh, non-binary people and women, you know, modeling their clothes... They say they're really transparent and ethical and that they give a lot of their profit to charity, but they're not very transparent because you cannot see that Jacob Castaldi actually owns this company on the website at all, or I found it very hard to find that. So it's annoying and astounding, actually, because like we mentioned in our sustainability episode, the only sustainable way to approach clothing is kind of not to buy any, basically, or to buy less. And they've just found a way to hop onto a movement, make it really profitable, profit from Black Lives Matter, profit from feminist causes, while making a lot of money to the detriment of other activists because they're stealing their content. They're directing money towards clothes. They do get a tax break, obviously, with anything that's charitable. There isn't much in, in terms of transparency, even though they say there is. And the whole thing is just so unethical and annoying. There's also a lot about who owns the narrative, specifically when it comes to the feminist Instagram, because if you have a following of 6 million, you get to decide, or like you have that influence to highlight certain stories over over another ones. And so what does it mean when a man is 
highlighting certain issues within feminist circles. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of their posts are like, we can wear whatever we want and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of associating in some ways how you look with feminism and stuff. Yeah, that's agenda setting, right? Within the feminist world. Absolutely. Also, it kind of makes me think of the, we were talking before about the Medusa statue that was set outside of the court in New York which depicts a naked Medusa holding the decapitated head of Perseus. It was made by an Italian-Argentinian artist called Benvenuto Cellini, and he's sort of reimagining a Renaissance statue where it's the other way around. It's Perseus holding the decapitated head of Medusa. He made the statue in 2008, but the reason why it's come to media attention recently is because it was, like I mentioned before, placed outside of the courts, but it was sort of placed there symbolically for the Me Too movement because it was the court, for example, where Harvey Weinstein was trialed. It's kind of been championed as a image for the Me Too movement and more specifically for badass women and women's rights and such. I have to admit that when I originally first saw the statue, I remember thinking it was really cool because when you first see it, you think, yes, like flipping the narrative. But then you find out that it was made by a crusty old man. And what does that mean all of a sudden for he gets to decide the narrative of what is empowerment for women? What is like who gave him permission to flip this story and to decide this was empowering? Why? Because women bend to the level that men have been to. Is that empowering by trying to do what men do? Are we empowered? Maybe that empowers some women, maybe that doesn't empower others, but that's not up to a man to decide. But also to make a statue that a man made the symbol of Me Too. First of all, are there no women sculptors around? It's like the statue in Bristol that replaced the statue of the slave trader Colston, which is of a black woman standing on the plinth in a kind of powerful pose. Again, it's a really good sculpture, it's a really good statue, but it's made by a white man. How are we approaching the issue seriously when you can't just find a black sculptor to make the image of black power? So what happened is the sculptor, who is Mark Quinn, he saw an image on Instagram of a black woman taking that pose and doing that And then he took the image and he made it like kind of 3D, went through a whole process and made it into a thing and basically sold the statue. And that's great for his reputation and everything, but it's kind of like a stolen image and you're jumping on a movement and you already have a place of privilege and a lot of space in society. You're just continuing to to do that without stepping aside and, and thinking, well, maybe this isn't my... Maybe this is my story to tell. Also, just like there's something about consent there, isn't it? Like he saw this picture of the girl and decided to use her image without... We briefly mentioned this in one of our episodes, this idea of not online blackfacing, but like where you, as white people, we keep using black people's images in situations where it's not our own to use, which is like case in point here. It's this idea that everything is yours to use, no? Like we can just take everything from every culture and we have complete right to do that and to occupy that space and especially when it's like a political fucking activist thing because you know he's he's taking up space within a movement and a struggle that's not his own and he wasn't even there he just saw the picture on instagram (laughs) it's like the guy who did the medusa statue did he speak up in court what did he play a role in me too at all he wasn't like roman farrow But when I was researching for this topic, I see a lot of things on Instagram 
in particular relating to Sean King, because I feel like a lot of times whenever Sean King is just reposted a lot, and then I see a lot of pushback against Sean King. If you don't know who he is, he is, I guess, an online personality. He's very popular on Twitter and on Instagram. He is a black man, and he is basically, I feel like I once read that Sean King is the only black man that most white people know about because whenever something controversial happens, he will draw attention to it. Specifically, the killing of Aubrey, it was Sean King who sort of brought that to the media attention and it was circulated by him and he has millions of followers on Instagram. But he's kind of recently come under criticism because he tried to relaunch Frederick Douglass's abolitionist newspaper, The North Star, which was sort of named after when you were fleeing your enslavement, you could look up and find the North Star and that would lead you to freedom. He had multiple angel investors. He, within the first month, 30,000 people subscribed to it. Everybody was just really excited about it because the project seems really, really good. And what ended up happening was just former employees report of like a toxic environment about how one employee, she was doing a talk show segment for him and he watched it and he asked her to act more black. Like, the way she was just behaving wasn't black enough for him. He ended up justifying that by saying, he was like, what I was trying to say was oftentimes we school ourselves to be more white for people, so I was trying to encourage you to let go of any sort of preconceived notion you have of trying to appease white people and just be yourself. The whole thing fell apart, as you can imagine. It never, the they made an app, it went down, people were fired, people said they were let go days before their health insurance was due to kick in. All of these things ended up happening where everyone left with a very sour and bad taste in their mouth. And he was basically accused of just profiting off of this movement. There's a question, there's open-end questions about a lot of money has disappeared and been unaccounted for. So they're like, he's taking this money that has been given to a good cause and he's putting in his own pocket. So basically, Sean King is being accused of using activism, specifically Black Lives Matter right now, for his own financial and media gain. Yeah, exactly. It's really easy to see that when it's, for example, Chanel saying Black Lives Matter, when obviously they're just being really performative, they're still working for kind of profit, um... They have no interest in topics like Black Lives Matter or feminism. They're just jumping onto the movement just to make everyone feel good. But it's very hard when it comes to Sean King. Like, I subscribe to Sean King's newsletter. Even with At Feminist, I was following them. And there's a real lack of transparency about where this stuff goes. And it really is a detriment. It's actually the opposite of what it should be doing because it makes you question everything else like then I was thinking well what about black fairy godmother where's all that money going and I'm sure it's going to all the places that it's supposed to be going but it's just so detrimental to our trust and yeah the capitalism has shown that you know you could jump onto a thing and profit of it yeah but yeah it's just been it's been one of those weeks where just a lot of those things have happened i mean it's not even nearly in the same realm of things but this week on very short notice man repeller shut down and there are ugly rumors and i want to reiterate these are only rumors none of this is verified that man repeller shut down because leandra medine cohen the founder was throwing a hissy fit about the fact that she was called out by her employees for being racist and sort of profiting off of lifting women up, but not really doing that. And when the pandemic happened, they laid off only their black staff. And so there was a lot of anger there already. 
And then during that whole media purge that sort of happened in June, they were one of the media companies that sort of got hit when it came to, oh, you represent yourself as being super feminist and being diverse and supportive, because they do, that is their brand. But in reality, it's just a bunch of thin, privileged white women writing this website. And so she, you know, stepped down, which I read a really interesting critique where someone said that Rand Repeller started as a personal brand. She is the brand. And so the person was like, I think that's a coward's approach for her to step down because she's she's able to step away from responsibility of the thing that she built. So then the rumor basically is, is that she was mad that she was forced to give up her entire brand and that she's been labeled as a racist and in retaliation she's just decided to shut this thing down with like with two weeks notice shut down the entire website was just like people's jobs gone people's livelihoods gone but what does it mean when a website like this that praises diversity and lifting women up turns out not to be that little this is more similar to the sean king thing than to the feminist thing because it's women running a website but it's white women running a website profiting off of sort of, you know, and it's not like they were the champion of include like women of color or anything, but they were all, their whole thing was supporting one another. I think the idea of narcissism is really interesting here though, because I think it does relate to the at feminist thing. As a white man, you see that you are being kind of decentered. Or as a white woman, maybe you are being decentered and asked to give way and make space for these new movements that are in trend. So black culture, feminism, a reckoning with, you know, the patriarchal, like white cis men is happening, but they just cannot give it up. They're like, okay, great. This is a trend. How do I step into the space? And, um, you know, how do I occupy the space and kind of jump on this trend? Yeah. How do I still succeed in society, even though nobody's interested in me as a person and, and what all, all of the traditional stuff anymore? And the answer is you start like a fashion company. You put all other faces on it. You hide the fact that you're kind of behind it on the site itself, although in other places you can kind of figure out that Castaldi is the person behind it, who, by the way, went to finance school, has a real good knack because he trained growing social media accounts for other companies first. That's what he's really good at. And you can see he's really good at it. It also brings up a very interesting point about Instagram because Instagram celebrated 10 years, 10 years of Instagram. Did you uh, listen to that Guardian podcast at all? I did not, no. Okay, so the Guardian Today in Focus podcast, they explained a bit about how accounts are made really, really popular. So one woman, she had a kind of funny looking dog and she just took pictures of this funny looking dog. And then one day when she woke up, it had been featured on the Instagram story and she got millions of followers. She quit her job. We managed the account to make money off it. And there's one guy at Instagram and mostly, obviously, at Instagram, it is most, it's a tech scene. So it's white, middle class men making these decisions. He thought that dog was really cute and he featured it. And if you look at all the dog accounts on Instagram that are really successful to the point of commercial that have made it, they're all funny looking dogs because this one guy has a kind of penchant for funny looking dogs. So the question is, why are accounts like at Feminist, why have they got 6 million? Whereas Monica's account, Belle and Baudoir, which is well thought out posts about women from a woman, which have a very artistic quality to them. 
why does she not do as well as at Feminist? Part of the problem with her account is that she features women dressed in underwear and stuff because it is boudoir and Instagram blocks or blacklists a lot of those accounts. And again, Instagram is run by men. It's funny that all of these really commercial accounts that are linked and that use advertising are doing really well when it comes to feminism, but actual authentic feminist accounts are not doing well. Yeah, there's an Instagram account that I follow called No White Savior and another one that I follow called So You Want to Talk About. And I've seen they've both reported within the last couple of months, they've seen a huge decline in their activity. And they asked their followers just to sort of respond to be like, do you see our posts? And they, you know, through collecting opinions from people, found out that they're, you know, because Instagram no longer does chronological, that most people were just not seeing their posts anymore in their timeline. Instagram was actively hiding their stuff. Reading about Castaldi really made me think about No White Savior, because if you look at Ivory Ella, for example, 10% of their profits go to protection of elephants. But on the... <laughs> made me so angry when I was looking at like, oh, this is where the money was spent and stuff. You know, African poachers kill so many animals per year. And you're like, wait a minute, stop. First of all, African poachers are maybe doing that for the Western world or because of economic circumstances for sure. Second of all, a lot of Americans go over to poach in safari illegally. Third of all, Kenya and not just Kenya, I mean, South Africa, lots of other countries are doing massive work by themselves without the Western world in protecting these animals. And African rangers are the ones who are getting shot protecting these animals. And so the fact that you would buy a t-shirt with a really lovely picture of an animal on it, which is all like, you know, Bali, Goa, which represents, oh, I'm a hippie, I'm doing my bit for the world. Well, no, you're not. You're just destroying the planet with your consumerism still and you just want to feel that little bit better about yourselves and that's your image that you're doing a great job well rubbish that's exactly the territory of the white savior yeah if you don't know what a white savior is <laughs> a white savior is a white person who goes to let's just use africa as an example goes to africa to quote-unquote help but mainly to be a savior. Most of the time, it's about the fact that they center themselves as the who the story is really about versus actually helping. And a lot of the time, white people who go to Africa to help, they have to be accommodated in a way that actually causes more problems. A lot of the time, a lot of them are incredibly under, not even underqualified, just not even at least but qualified to do the work that they say that they're doing. So they end up causing harm and or causing more work. I remember my school used to go to Tanzania to build schools when I was a kid. And we were a bunch of 15-year-olds. We didn't know how to build schools. So basically, we were, it was just a project. So a bunch of white kids could go to Africa, build schools, feel good about themselves, then leave. And then everything we did would have to be torn down and then have to rebuild everything by professionals. So it's just about making white people feel good and making them feel like they can, you know, be the center of attention as always. It's a form of narcissism again. I was just listening to David Sedaris, who I love. love. And he talks about when he was a child, when he went into the store to get something for his mom. And when he walked in, a hippie asked him for a dollar. And then he was like, so... He felt so honored that he was so important that somebody was asking him for a dollar. He was like, you know, when you've grown up, when somebody asks you for a dollar and it was a hippie. And then he was like watching this hippie and another hippie for ages. And he was like, yeah, you know, they just do it with such ease. And they're making you buy into this, like, hey, if you give them a dollar you're kind of cool 
like they're kind of cool and also you feel really important like you've helped them out and stuff and he figures out in the story that's a big scam we'll link to it in our newsletters it's a really good essay and this is what all of these accounts are doing it's a big scam they're just appealing to your narcissism and playing on what you think your identity is it's a lot of virtue signaling isn't it rather than doing any actual work and sort of interrogating any sort of oppressive systems that you uphold or benefit from we can just follow a bunch of feminists or black Lives matters account and that's our activism done or buy a t-shirt or buy a t-shirt we've done my activism now i'm wearing a t-shirt that says feminism obviously sexism is now over and i feel it's right to maybe mention we did put it in our newsletter which you can access online a few weeks ago but one of our listeners did write to us and say about this type of activism or these type of actions are actually more harmful in the long run because then you feel like you've just done your bit and then you're going about not engaging. So it's like religious people who think that that because they go to church and they confess, they are a good person. Mm. But that's not how you engage in the world as a good person. That's not how you do your bit. Yeah. In the expose on Sean King, the Daily Beast, right? But there are also... White liberals who want someone or something they can give their money to as if that washes away all of your sins and absolves you of any requirement to do any self-reflection, to do anything that would make you understand that you need to be helping people at a grassroots level, not just giving money to one guy who you probably never really researched. He makes white folks feel safe because he doesn't ask anything of them besides giving money. He sells wokeness to white people. And on that note... Here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Thing one, when reposting something on Instagram, make sure to really interrogate what account you are reposting from and if it's legitimate and who it's run by. Check your sources. And thing two, on a similar note, and this is more specific, can everyone please unfollow at feminist, at its feminism, at march, at change c h n g e and at ivory ella and thing number three when it comes to sustainable clothing can we please just stop consuming just stop buying clothes look in your wardrobe you probably already have some great things keep wearing them fashion always comes back until next week thank you for listening goodbye if you like this podcast please subscribe and share it with your friends and if you like you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube for news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references, and other geeky inspiration subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.